Today's episode is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store. Hey there, everybody, and this is Ben Rathard for our very first official episode of Your Stories South. For those of you who are already fans of the podcast, I'm sure the first thing you noticed is that I am not Eric Garneau, and I couldn't hope to be, uh, but I'm still so excited to be able to bring you uh, this and future episodes of Your Story South. We're looking to do these shows about four times a year or so. Uh, this one was done on October 11th, 2019 at the St. Nicholas Brewery in downtown Duquoin, Illinois. Our next recording, we're looking at January sometime, uh, but just watch our Facebook page and you will see any updates. In this half of this uh, episode, we have four great storytellers. We have Trish Pfeiffer, Andrew Staff, Nicole Stewart, and Crystal King, uh, who also has a little bit of music of her own that she brings at the end, which was really just great. Joining at the microphone uh, with me, as always, is Mr. Tony Baker uh, and also Mr. Kyle Triplett, uh, both of which are wonderful uh, humans to provide their time and their talent uh, to make this music worth listening to, honestly. Tony in particular is great for helping me plan what songs are possible and reasonable and also how we can kind of make them better in general. If you're looking to find the podcast online, uh, you can find it at nerdologs.com forward slash podcast. That's N-E-R-D-O-L-O-G-U-E-S dot com forward slash podcast and we'll be listed there along with the classic episodes of Your Stories. Uh, over the past seven years. I'm just generally so thrilled and delighted that uh, this night came together the way it did, and I'm looking forward to a lot of good ones in the future. Um, anybody looking to tell a story of their life in Southern Illinois, or generally anything else, uh, would always be welcome at the microphone. Uh, just get a hold of us on our Facebook page. Uh, that's it. On with the show. That's pretty good. I, I, I accept. Hello. Everyone, thank you, and welcome to Your Story South. This is our very first recording officially of this podcast, uh, which has had its birth and origin for seven years in Chicago, and we're taking over down here. We're going to do this about four times a year, is what we're looking at here. Storytellers of a local variety, and we are just so excited about every story they've got to say tonight. Um, I have the always have the distinct pleasure of working with Mr. Tony Baker and Mr. Kyle Triplett, who are wonderful musicians in their own right there, and they're willing to entertain my flights of fancy. <laughs> so uh, tonight's theme is South, with an exclamation point. If you remember Jeb Bush's campaign, he had the exclamation point, you know, Jeb, get excited. That's the same kind of thing. Get excited. Uh, yeah, please, please clap. That was just like, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, but I, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was a pretty good one because I am just thrilled and amazed and stunned to be honestly living here because there's so much in Southern Illinois that we just love on a regular basis, and I think people need to be exposed to it. Um, anyway, we've got three songs up here at the front, then we've got our storytellers lined up. Uh, we are going to start one off here, so... I'm ready. Let me go. sit or stand. Uh, I'm gonna stand. That's all right. Okay. All right. Got out of town on a boat 
to the southern islands Sailing to reach before a following sea We were making for the trains on the outside And the downhill run to Papa E.T. Off the wind on that head and Liza Marquesas We got 80 feet of a waterline Nicely making away In a noisy bar in Avalon I tried to call you But on the midnight watch I realized Why twice you ran away Think about, think about How many times I have fallen Spirits are using me A larger voice is calling What heaven brought you and me Cannot be forgotten I have been around the world Looking for that woman girl Who knows love can endure And you know it will Southern Cross for the first time You understand just why you came this way Cause the truth you've been running from is so strong But it's as big as the promise Promise of a coming day So I'm sailing for tomorrow My dreams are dying And my love is an anchor that you Tied with a silver chain I have my ship And all her flags are flying She is all that I have left And music is her name Think about, think about How many times I have fallen Spirits are using me A larger voice is calling What heaven brought you and me Cannot be forgotten I have been around the world Looking for that woman, girl Who knows love can endure And you know it will You know it will So we cheated and we lied and we tested And we never failed to fail It was the easiest thing to do You will survive being bested Somebody strong comes along, makes me forget Forget about loving you and the Southern Cross I will never say it enough, I do not deserve to play with these two, and they're, they're wonderful. 
yeah, so Southern Cross, because it has South in the title. But I, I loved that song. I thought it was by Jimmy Buffett, and I learned later that it's actually by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and I'm an idiot. Uh, but anyway, I love that song. It's the original Yacht song. Uh, yacht Rock. Yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, so there's that. The next song to set up a little bit more is uh, is a song that means a lot to me. It's called "The City of New Orleans." You may have heard it before. Um, it's a, it's kind of important for a few reasons. My, it's my dad's train that he would drive to Chicago and to Memphis uh, various times during the week. Um, and he had a battle with colon cancer and is still alive. And I could not be more thankful for that every day because he's he's my dad. Hey, you know. Um, what's cool about the city of New Orleans is about 1 o'clock tonight, it's going to go by the front windows of St. Nick's here. Uh, which, by the way, we're at St. Nick's in DuPont, Illinois. I didn't say that on the front. Maybe I should have, but hey, anyway. <laughs> Guys, I'm ready whenever you are. <laughs> hmm. Riding on the city of New Orleans. Illinois Central, Monday morning rail. Fifteen cars and fifteen restless riders Three conductors, twenty-five sacks of mail And all along the southbound Odyssey Train pulls out of Kankakee Rolls along past houses, farms and fields Passing trains that have no names And freight yards full of old black men And the graveyard of the rusted automobile Said, don't you know me? I'm your native son. I'm the train they call the city of New Orleans. I'll be gone 500 miles when the day is done. Dealing cards now with the old man in the club car. Any point ain't no one keeping score. Pass a paper bag that holds a bottle. Feel the wheels now rumbling beneath the floor And the sons of poor men porters And the sons of engineers Ride their father's magic carpets made of steel Mothers with their babes asleep Rocking to the gentle beat And the rhythm of the rails is all they feel Good morning America, how are you? Don't you know me? I'm your native son. I'm the train they call the city of New Orleans. I'll be gone 500 miles when the day is done. Nighttime on the city of New Orleans. Changing cars in Memphis, Tennessee. Halfway home, we'll be there by morning. Through the Mississippi darkness, rolling down to the sea. And all the towns and people seem to fade into a bad dream. And the steely rails still ain't heard the news. The conductor sings his song again. Passengers will please refrain. The train's got the disappearing railroad news. Good night, America, how are you? Don't you know me? I'm your native son. I'm the train they call the city of New Orleans. I'll be gone 500 miles when the day is done. I'll be gone 500 miles when the day is done. (laughs) 
Southern Illinois is, is interesting to me for a few reasons. And, and one is, you've probably heard before that, you know, the plains of Illinois, which were the prairie state, growing up, I never knew why we were the prairie state, because we have hills here. It's all Shawnee Hills and where we are right now. But if you get to Perry County and go north, it's all flat. And it's because the glaciers, two main ones, the Illinoisan and the Wisconsin Glacier, they came this far and exactly no further. You go to Carbondale, that's where it quits. So 100,000 years ago, the glacier said, we've gone far enough. We're, we're turning it in. We're, we're melting at this point. And now we have hills because that's what we're known for and hiking trails. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, this is a song by the band. Yeah. Which my wife was like, oh, what a creative name. And I was like, 1964 probably was pretty cool. Like cutting edge, but I feel like the misinterpretation you can get from the song is that it is very uh, pro South and pro uh, Rebel Confederacy. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's that way. It's uh, it's an interesting tune, nonetheless. Written by uh, one guy from Arkansas and four Canadians. Canadians. So, uh, that is, uh, yeah, and they're inside of the South. All right. Can't raise it, came back up 
right now by a guy who used to write articles about Southern Illinois, and he had a nice little entry on John A. Logan. So if you're from this area, you've heard about John A. Logan for your whole darn life, and you may not know much about the guy, and not to get into his life or anything like that, but what I found was really interesting, and the reason he's still celebrated. So back in the day, you remember the Stephen Douglas debates where Stephen Stephen Douglas and, and Lincoln debated? This guy loved Douglas. He thought Douglas was the man, and even though Douglas... One, later on when Lincoln would become president, John A. Logan had a huge problem with Lincoln being president. Now, the thing that really surprised me was that I did not know how contentious Southern Illinois was. We had some of our original you know, members, people who settled this area, were slaveholders. I did not know that. I thought Illinois was essentially always a slave-free state, and it is not, especially down here. John A. Logan moved to Missouri for a few years, and he came back, and when he came back, he made up his mind that even though Lincoln was president and he hated his guts, he thought the Union was more important, and he started rallying for this. And he is one of the major reasons why Southern Illinois did not break off from the rest of Illinois and join the Confederacy. He is one of the reasons that we fought for the Union. And that matters. I didn't realize that. So anyway, Johnny Logan, all right, we'll go to your community college. Uh, Our very... Uh, our, our very first speaker tonight, I'm sorry this has been kind of serious, uh, but, but anyway, our very first speaker tonight is someone that I am always, always thrilled to have to our stage. Uh, she's shared with us the last two years, and she never fails to bring something wonderful worth listening to. I'm just going to break it and say, Trish Pfeiffer, come on. So, your stories has officially moved south. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So did I. I grew up in northern Illinois, um, and I thought that since this is your story's inaugural, official, southern venture, that I would tell you all about why I decided to move to southern Illinois, and why I moved south. So I grew up in northern Illinois. Um, I looked at a map one time about the different cultural areas of the United States. And Illinois was really interesting because most people, they think of it, they think of it as like Chicago, you know, like huge skyscrapers, very corrupt politicians. They don't really think of it as being such a really long state. You know, it, it's, it's a very large state, and it covers a whole breadth of the Mississippi. And um, when you look at this cultural map that I found, and you can find it online, I'm sure, the very top northern port- part of it, where I come from, is called Yankeedom. And, yeah, that's appropriate. Um, so, but the southern part of it, as Ben alluded to just a moment ago, is, is called Greater Appalachia. 
And then there's this whole center part of the state that I can't remember what it's called because it's probably just called like corn, corn, soybeans, corn. <laughs> but um, that, that's what it is. And so I, at some point in my life, decided I was going to move from Yankeedom to Greater Appalachia. And gosh, I'm really happy about that. Um, and so what happened was that I was in high school and, you know, I started out by, I finished my freshman year of high school uh, you know, top of the class, honor student, all of that. By the time I graduated, I was barely making my grades. Like, it was a miracle I graduated. I was not thinking about college. I was not thinking about the ACT or the SAT. I didn't, it was not on my mind. I wanted fun, fun, more fun, and some fun. And, um, and so that's what I was doing. And um, at that time, all my friends were taking the ACTs, they were taking the SATs, and they were getting ready to go off to college. And when all of them were packing their bags, I got a job at a pet store and was like, well, I guess I'll go to community college. And um, it wasn't Johnny Logan. Um, it was McHenry County College. And um, I majored in photography because luckily my very best friend also decided to go to community college. And I just did what she was doing. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> she just said, she's here. Um, she just said, I just did what, she was just doing what I was doing. But she's a photographer, so... I was doing what she was doing. Um, but in any case, so what happened was I, I started just visiting all my friends at their colleges. I went to Indiana. I went to Ball State. I went to, I, just, I drove all over the country, you know, the great American road trip again and again and again. What am I going to do with my life? And finally, I went to my girlfriend Natalie's place in southern Illinois. And someone had told me early on during the college admission process while we were still in high school, you know, SIU is not where the smart people go. SIU is, is you, you can't have a future at SIU. Um, and uh, that really stuck with me. But, um, and so it was kind of at one of the last schools I visited. And I, I drove down there. And I, I should qualify this. At the time, SIU had like this major party school mentality. Um, they were in Playboy as like the top 20 party schools. Um, and so... Yeah, fun, fun, more fun. Uh, <laughs> that sounds good. Um, so I drove down and I visited my friend Natalie, and it was this like very long six-hour drive. And when I got here, the first thing we did was hop into a car with her boyfriend, who's like this pixie-like man, Rob. And he talked with like this way. He would be Natalie, Natalie, and he just like we're going to the woods and we're going to see a sunset. And I was like, wow, sunsets, amazing. And so we drove all the way out to this place called Little Grand Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. And Little Grand Canyon is is a very special place. And, and let's go back to how you picture s Illinois, right? Skyscrapers in Chicago. Corn, corn, more corn. But Southern Illinois is different. Southern Illinois is carved with all of these amazing rolling hills. It's got the Shawnee National Forest. It's one of the oldest old-growth forests in the world. It's, it's a very special place. And I had no idea, none. I thought I was going to Cornland. I did not know that I was going to visit something so green and lush and beautiful. And when I got there, I was just amazed that, that there are woods in Illinois, and they're thick, and they're full of life. And there's these trails that go for miles. And so we go out to this very end of the Little Grand Canyon. And you get there, and it is a Little Grand Canyon. It's bluffs and, and rock faces of sandstone. And we climb down to this... <laughs> And we climb down to this, like, overlook. 
that you can see over the river, and there are eagles circling. Um, it, it was amazing. And on the way back, while we were there, we watched the sunset, and the sky was the sky was was clear. There was there were some clouds in it, and the light was pink and it was orange and it was purple and we watched the sunset and we had a little bit of fun like you do when you're younger and 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 we came back and on our way back it's about a mile hike um all of a sudden under the blanket canopy of the forest the sky just breaks open with this huge thunderclap and all of this rain just pours down and soaks us completely wet and I knew right then I was coming to Southern Illinois and that SIU was the place I was going to college because that forest baptized me in that moment. And this place has been an amazing opportunity for me to grow. It, it was the place I became a mother. It's the place I'm now becoming a lawyer. Um, it's, it's a wonderful community. And it's opened itself up to me and, and the people of it and the land are incredibly special. And I think that if Southern Illinois can do for your stories what it did for me, a lot more people are going to be hearing these tales because Southern Illinois is a very special place and it's very good at cultivating the best out of people. And that's all. Thank you so much, Trish. Uh, my, my experience with uh, Little Grand Canyon was when I took my son, uh, he was strapped to my back, and I nearly slid off the side of a cliff and died. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's, that was the day that I learned when they put up those signs on the hiking trails about how severe the trail is, you should listen to them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Henry's seven and he's fine now. Um, thank, thank goodness. Thank you so much. Uh, Trish would not want me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, she is eighth in her class right now. She is uh, 2L at SIU, and she's tearing it up, and the, the legislators in Illinois are, are ready for what you're going to bring them in the years to come, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I, I'm actually going to bring up the next guy uh, that I, I am, again, another person in Illinois I'm just supercharged about there. I was really, really, really happy when this guy was happy enough to join us uh, for this and said he, he could tell a story for us. Uh, this, is, this, uh, this is a gentleman who is a local celebrity. If you've ever seen the Swamp Tigers, he's the front man for the Swamp Tigers there. They have since gone, you know, uh, they're, they're not doing their thing as often as they were, but they were in Carbondale recently performing for the 618 Festival. Um, Andrew is a, an amazing uh, person. He is a teacher. He is a, a youth minister at his church. Uh, he is a giant fan of Star Trek. I was delighted to learn, and we have a lot to talk about in, in that regard there, but uh, hell of a musician, and I am going to welcome him to the stage right now, Mr. Andrew Staff. Thank you, Ben. I'm going to sit because uh, I'm tired, and I apologize if I cough. Um, it's that time of the year. Uh, so, um, I was going to tell a story about the North, and I had a whole joke about how when Ben sent me the text and it said South, but my phone was upside down, so I've read it as North. But I'm not going to tell that one. I I'm going to tell a story about uh, a, a trip. The um, Well, I'll just start. Um, in college, I had failed out of a science program 
because uh, contrary to what I thought, science is actually hard. And so I was, I was kind of a dirtbag rock climber who just wanted to climb, and I picked the degree that allowed me to do that most. So I became an outdoor recreation major, um, and I literally didn't really do that much, but I had to do an internship. And so um, I wanted to come back to Southern Illinois, where I was from. And so I got a hold of Touch of Nature Environmental Center at SIU. And they had a program called Spectrum Wilderness. And Spectrum Wilderness took, let's say, adjudicated youth from all over the state of Illinois. And it, uh, we took them on a 30-day wilderness stress challenge. So we had... <clears throat> 10 to 15 teenagers from all over the state who had done various things. Some of them were going to juvie. Some of them were, it was their way out of juvie. But we took them. We spent 15 days in Southern Illinois teaching them the skills necessary to go on a trip for another 15 days. So 30 days on, we had one night off, and we were out in the wilderness with these kids. And so I remember on the, the phone interviewing for this job, I was really excited. Um, and then they started asking me questions about all these scenarios, um, and I tried to answer as honestly, but I got really scared because the scenarios were kind of scary. But I got the job, and it was me and a, and a vast majority of rugby players from SIU. <coughs> um, and they're all very sweet, but they all are alcoholics. <laughs> and, uh, but so we got put on this course, and we train, and and what happens is you, you, you take all your stuff to this old cemetery in the middle of the Shawnee National Forest, and you just wait for these kids to show up. And big surprise, none of them want to be there. Um, and so they drop them off, and then they leave, and you're in charge of these 10 children. They're not children, they're teenagers. Um, and I was absolutely petrified. Um, so early on, doing our thing. It's the middle of summer in Southern Illinois. If you're from Southern Illinois, you know what that means. It's just humid as all get out. Uh, we didn't have tents. We had tarps. It's just, it's a mess. These kids are trying to figure each other out. Second day in, we're paddling on Little Grassy Lake. Maybe it was Devil's Kitchen Lake. Either way, a kid falls to the ground and he starts foaming at the mouth and he has a seizure. Two of the other instructors you know, we, we got to take this kid away. So they leave, and I, the junior in college, am left with the rest of these kids. And my, I assume that they were just going to murder me. Uh, but they all uh, stood there, but then they said, this is stupid. We don't have to stay here. I'm going to get in that canoe. I'm going to paddle home. And in, my, in a moment of, like, real bravery, I said, you do that. <laughs> and they said, Seriously? And I said, yeah, get in that canoe and paddle home. And they kept pushing, and none of them did. And I didn't tell them that it was a little grassy lake. And contrary to their popular belief, Illinois is not just one big lake. And Chicago is not at the other side of the lake. Um, and it turns out that kid had faked the seizure really well. And his mom came to pick him up from Cairo, and she had paid for the thing herself, and she was so mad that she made him run behind the car home. So there's that. Um, but so the, the, more, the more the exciting stuff, the whole southern part of this trip is that we, we got ready 
and we were taking a trip to North Carolina to the Appalachian Trail to hike the entire North Carolina section of the AT with kids who didn't want to be there. <coughs> so we get them there. It takes, you know, a decent amount of time to get them there. Um, every time we stopped to do anything, um, we had to worry about them running away, fighting. Actually, another group was on their way to Canada. They got escorted out by the police and banned from this town in Minnesota because the kids got in a fight in the parking lot. But I have stories about Canada, but this is south. So, um, we get there, we start hiking, and has anybody been to the Appalachian Trail in North Carolina? The, the Smoky Mountains are, they're not like the Rockies, but they're big. And it's hard. And so, um, you know, I was all excited about this job, and few nights in, I literally had to drag a child up, up a mountain by his backpack. They had big packs on that they couldn't, you know, have to carry all the stuff. It's a lot. But this kid just wouldn't do it. And I was like, man, there's bears here. And as much as I would like to leave you, I cannot. So I physically had to drag this kid up the hill. Um, we spent all these nights in a camp and we had to we trained them how to make food, and they made all the food on this part, and so, look, I don't mean to be graphic, but I had diarrhea every day, because <laughs> they did not know what they were doing. Um, and we had, to, we had to give them all their medication every day, and they were really good at not taking their medication, <laughs> hiding it, and spitting it out. And so, it was just, you know, again, not trained therapists or anything. What, 21-year-old me? But this one kid, I still remember his name, Ryan. He told me a story one night. And he said, uh, you want to know about the time I got abducted by aliens? And I said, okay. He was like, I was, I was watching Renegade. You know that show with Lorenzo Lamas? Renegade. It was on, it was on uh, the same channels like Hercules and Xena and all that stuff. Silk stockings or whatever. But he was like, I was, uh, I was watching Renegade, and like I passed out, and, and the aliens abducted me, and they did all this stuff to me, and then when they brought me back, and I woke up, I was at the same exact part of Renegade as when they took me. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know what I said to them. I was probably more focused on the fact that he was watching Renegade, but um, the, the big thing that happened on this trip was though we were, we were hiking down uh, a section of the Appalachian Trail and we, we, there was a, a little bit of civilization. You cross through the Nantahala uh, Outdoor Center. There's a big whitewater center there. But we, we crossed this parking lot and we found a truck. And the window had been smashed out of this truck. And I was like, man, that sucks. That's terrible. And all the kids were like, oh my gosh, who would do that? This poor guy, who would do something like that? So we get further down the trail and uh, something's kind of nagging in the back of my mind. Um, lots, a lot happens. These kids, we got gangbangers and we got redneck kids and we got kids who are on drugs and we got kids who are just ne'er-do-wells. They start getting at each other and fighting. And so one, I could tell enough stories about my co-leader, Chuck. He was a fellow Virginian like myself. He was a, little, a lot bit crazy. He ended up getting kicked out of the program because I'm pretty sure he punched a kid. But he, <clears throat> he had the brilliant idea of one night to just, we're doing a, a free-for-all. We're doing a WWF free-for-all style. 
You take off your shirt, you just wrestle, leave it all here. And so uh, we did, and uh, it ended up okay. But uh, in the midst of all that, something kept nagging at me. I was like, something, something is right. So we finally figure out, <clears throat> we finally figured out, got one of the kids. You know, you figure out the kids who are gonna talk. The kids who are not gonna talk and then the kids who are gonna talk. And it was the, kid, the same kid who told me the alien abduction story. He told me what really happened. Um, about the, the truck with the broken window. Some people we met on the trail had said that there was a store on the trail. And these geniuses got in their mind that they were gonna sneak out in the middle of the night and go rob this store. So, we fall asleep after an exhausting day. These kids get up, they do go down the trail in the middle of the night. Great job, me. Um, they find this guy's truck and they smash the window out. And the only thing they can find is a knife. So, I remember there, there's this kid who was on the course because he beat up his teenage girlfriend who was pregnant, hard enough to, to look at him and not judge him for that. But he's a gangbanger from Rockford, has this knife the whole time. I actually have the knife. This is the knife he had the whole time. Didn't find this out till much later. Could have been murdered in my sleep. Um, but praise the Lord, I wasn't murdered in my sleep and I have this knife. Um, that wasn't, that was a high point of the trip. We had a person that was called a logistics officer. They were just supposed to follow after us, give us food and all this stuff. Have touch of nature van. This guy's driving down a road. Someone comes barreling down the road. He can't really get out of the way. He tries to get over in the soft part of the road. Rolls the van down the mountain. So we get, we kind of get to the end. And he's like, hey guys, uh, I, got, I got some bad news. Rolled the van. And so then we have to have another van, somebody else drive from Carbondale all the way to North Carolina to get us. Figuring out all this stuff, the kids are done. If any of you have teenagers, you might understand, but teenagers, um, they produce an odor. <laughs> but when they have not showered in 30 days, that odor is amplified to a degree that I, I never smelled anything like that. And so, I had only taken one shower. We're hungry, we're tired. I'd also found a, a bag of white stuff in this shelter that I assumed was Gold Bond. Um, and thankfully it was, but if, you, if, you're, if you're sweating profusely um, in the middle of summer in North Carolina and you apply a lot of gold bond, um, it, it feels bad. Um, I thought it was like cryogenics. Um, it's like Ted, I thought my, I thought this part of my body was gonna end up like Ted Williams' head. But um, we've got this van crash, we just wanna get back. We just wanna get done. So we're hiking down, literally hiking on the way to the new van. I am in the back. I'm in the back of this. And there's kids in front of me. And 
We're all stomping down the trail and I feel something on the back of my leg. And I feel it again. And it's the most intense pain I've ever felt. And then I see what it is. The Charlotte Hornets, they're not a basketball team right anymore. But when I was growing up, they were the coolest, they were the coolest team. Well, in North Carolina, they have these things called ground hornets. And they're about that big. And they were stinging the back of my leg. And so I'm screaming at these kids, get out of the way. And the kids are like, what? Get out of the way. So eventually I just start throwing kids out of the way, running down the trail. I get to the end. This is the end of the trip. This is how the trip ends. My, my calves, I'm not kidding, were the size of... Well, I don't know what they were the size of. If there's an, there's an exercise you know I could do for your calves, it's like, that's, it's like I had done that a thousand times. I thought they were gonna pop. I'd heard a story about if you get bitten by a rattlesnake and it swells up too much, your arm will pop. Your whatever will pop like a hot dog in the microwave. That's what I thought was gonna happen. <clears throat> but that's how this trip ended. Um, but it grew me up in a lot of ways. And I went back and that's what I did after I graduated. Uh, and so, the only thing that has to do with the South is that it happened in North Carolina. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So if, if I ever come back, I have some better stories about Canada. <laughs> but I thought I would start with this one. So thank you. So that's, that, that sounds like fuel that for the future we need to have a, like a, a Nordic uh, theme for another show coming up here. But who knows? Uh, Andrew, thank you. That was, that was robust. Uh, the, I, I got stung on the stomach by a hornet last year, and I didn't seek medical attention because I don't believe in doctors. And uh, <laughs> it, it got very bad. And, and my wife, my lovely wife right over there, she's like, what's wrong with you? Uh, anyway, they're, they're nasty. Um, I, I'm actually going to bring up our next uh, speaker, uh, who's more from somebody I went to high school with that I'm pretty excited about. And I think she might be a little nervous about taking the stage, but I think she's going to do pretty awesome. Uh, this is somebody I did performing arts with way back in the day. I recall that when we w did uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, she was our housekeeper. And uh, the, the uh, running joke was that... Uh, she and I had something going on. I was the dad in the family. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going to bring the stage uh, Miss Nicole Stewart. Come on up. So I'm the first person to come up here without notes. So that was, I'm a little nervous about that. The first two had a piece of paper and I was like, I don't have a piece of paper. Like, should I have brought like the menu to stand here and act like I had a piece of paper? So... When Ben asked me to do this, I was like, well, I think I can, but what do you want me to talk about? Like, I need you to tell me what to say. And he was like, no, just come up with something. And I was like, okay. And he said, the theme is South. And I was like, okay, that doesn't help, but I'll work on it. <laughs> so, of course, when you say South, I, you go through to the controversy between the North and the South. But fortunately for you folks, I slept through history in high school, so I'm not going to give you any kind of history lesson. So I started asking people around me, what do you think of when I say South? Like, what do you think of? I got responses like redneck, hick, bigot, you know, the, the common things that people think of with the South. Turns out I don't fit the stamina because I don't hunt and I don't fish, I don't eat wild game, and I don't own anything that's mossy oak. 
So, nonetheless, I'm from Southern Illinois. But growing up, all I wanted to do was grow up and get out of here. I'm leaving, and I'm never coming back. So, as things typically do, it went just as planned. No. Instead, I graduated high school. I worked for a year as a live-in nanny. Decided that wasn't for me. Went to John A. Logan. Also not for me. (laughs) Finally, two years later, I got all my ducks in a row, and I moved to St. Louis. And I am never coming back. Never coming to Southern Illinois. So I moved to St. Louis, and I'm so homesick within the first, like, two weeks of school that I'm calling my mom every night crying I want to come home. My roommate was also from here, but he had been there for several years already. So little did I know, he was established there. He had friends there. He had a life there, which left me home alone most of the time when I wasn't at school or doing clinicals. So just when I thought I was going to completely quit and move home and just pretend like I never moved away because I wasn't going to admit to anybody that I'd actually moved away and came back, I met Catherine. We, we had a class together, and we were both smokers. And if any of you smoke, you know that you have an immediate bond with other people that smoke. It's like your automatic friends if you are in a smoking circle together. So she says, do you go by Nikki? And I said, no, I just, I just go by Nicole. And I was like, do you go by Catherine? She said, Catherine, Kate, Kat, you can call me whatever you want. And I was like, okay, it's going to be Kat. So Kat introduced me to a lot of things that I did not have a lot of experience with. Vodka was a big one. I didn't have nearly the amount of experience with vodka as Kat did. Um, but I realized, like, meeting her friends, hanging out with her on a regular basis, and meeting her friends, we, we went to a bar one night with some friends of hers, and I ordered these pork wontons. And I asked her friend Brent, who was gay, I said, do you want to taste these? And he was like, no, I don't eat pork. And I was like, oh, does it, like, hurt your belly? And he was like, no, I'm Jewish. And I was like, oh, okay. And he, I was like, but I still don't understand why you don't eat pork. And he was like, well, don't you, don't you know that? And I was like, you're the first per- Jewish person I've ever met. And he's like, where are you from? <laughs> and I was like, I grew up in a small town in southern Illinois, 300 people. And he was like, oh. So I became Annie to everyone that Kat knew, as in Annie Oakley, because they assumed that I was like from the Beverly Hillbillies. So they would make comments like, did you have TVs? You know, do you, do you have, like, satellites? So I hung out with Kat very regularly and was exposed to a lot of what Kat... Kat grew up on Grand Avenue in St. Louis. If, if all of you know where Grand Avenue is, Grand Avenue, there's a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of noise. She's right near downtown, born and raised there. So... Moving to the city was a big adjustment for me because I didn't do things like people in the city did. I didn't lock doors. I didn't roll my car window up when I came inside. And she would go behind me and she would call me, because this was way before text messaging, she would call me and say, is your front door locked? And I'm like, no, but I'll go lock it now. She's like, listen, country girl, like you have to lock the doors. Like You live on King's Highway. You have to lock the doors. So... I was a little naive, and now that I've been in law enforcement, I was way naive. But fortunately, I I survived. So it comes a night where I decide I'm going to bring Kat to Southern Illinois, and this is where my story comes in. So I'm like, Kat, let's skip school tomorrow, and let's go to Beer and Chicken tonight. Does everybody know where Beer and Chicken is, right? Bottoms up. And she's like, 
beer and what? And I was like, you go to beer and chicken. I said, it's $5 for a whole chicken, dollar draft. And she was like, okay. And I was like, we have to skip school tomorrow, though, because we're not going to be in any, any condition to drive back to St. Louis. She's like, you talked me into it. <laughs> so we're going across the Poplar Street Bridge, and her phone starts dinging. And she was like, I don't have any service. And I was like, that's not going to change. Like, you, you are 100% not going to have any service. Because this was in 2004. So towers were worse then than they are now. I, think, I don't think her phone would work now if she came here. So I bring her home. She meets my mom. She meets my sister. And I'm like, let's, let's start drinking before we go. And she's like, okay. So we take back roads to Bottoms Up. I don't know if any of you have ever back roaded from Campbell Hill to Jacob. But it's very windy, very curvy, very dark. So I notice while we're in the car that Kat's kind of like, she cracks the window, turns the heater down. It's February. And I was like, you okay? She's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I'm bebopping along. I'm dancing. I'm singing. I'm talking to her. And she rolls the window down some more and turns the heat off. And I was like, are you car sick? Like, are you getting sick? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And she's not saying a word to me. So we cross over Route 3, and we, we get onto Rattle Road, and the corn is high. So I don't, maybe it wasn't February, because the corn was high, but it was cold out nonetheless. <laughs> I, I, I don't farm, if you didn't know that. So the, the corn is high. So I'm, I'm bebopping along. And finally, she was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. You're going to have to stop the car. And I was like, okay. So I stopped the car in the middle of the road, because that's what we do. And I was like, are you going to get out? And she's like, are you kidding? I can't get out here. I can't get out of the car. And I was like, well, are you going to throw up? And she was like, Nicole, I just, I need you to tell me something. And I was like, okay. And she was like, did you bring me here to kill me? (laughs) And I was, I laughed so hard I had to get out of the car. And I was like, are you kidding? And she was like, listen, this is stuff that I've only seen in scary movies. She was like, this is the scariest place I've ever been in my life. (laughs) She was like, everything is dark. There is corn everywhere. And you're trying to convince me that we're going to go to some restaurant where we're going to buy a whole chicken for $5. (laughs) And she's like, and I fell for it. She's like, my phone doesn't work. You're, you're going to kill me. We still, 14 years later, we, I crack up every time I talk to her about that. So we do go to Bottoms Up, and we really did eat $5 chicken, and we really did drink $1 drafts. And the next day, I take her back to the same, to the same route, and I'm like, see, it's very pretty. But it, she's so out of her comfort zone when she comes here, and you wouldn't think that somebody that only lived an hour and a half away, it would be such a big difference. But it got to where she would say, I need to come stay with you for a few days because I love it there. And from somebody that hated it, like she was terrified. We got home. She's like, did you lock your car? And I was like, no, you don't lock your car in Campbell Hill. We don't lock the car. And she's like, okay. So it's funny. I lived with my mom. She worked evening shift. So she's beating on the door at two in the morning when she gets off work. And she's like, who the hell locked the front door? And Kat was like, that was me. (laughs) Because I don't want anybody coming in here killing me while I'm sleeping. And my mom was like, oh, well, we don't have keys to our front door, so you can't lock the door when when I'm not home because we have to have keys made when we go on vacation because that's the only time we lock the house. So 
it got to where when Kat wanted a getaway, she would, she would call me and she would say, I need to come to Southern Illinois for a few days. What's funny is when she and I introduced ourselves to each other and she told me her name was Catherine and I could call her Kat or Kate or Catherine, I'm the only person in her life that calls her Kat. So it's kind of a running joke because she's like, I come visit you, I escape reality, my phone doesn't work, and my name changes when I cross the river. <laughs> but nonetheless, somebody that I brought way out of her comfort zone, and I did come back to Southern Illinois, and I am raising my family here, despite the fact that I said that I never would. And um, it's, it's home, and, and I love it here. And I do want to leave Illinois at some point in my life, but... For now, home home is where we are. But just for Kat, because she lives in St. Louis, go Cards. <laughs> Nicole, it's important to have goals. And if your goal is to get out of Illinois, can't blame you. Godspeed, wherever that leads you there. Thank you so much for that. Um, man, the bottoms driving around at night, that's what I used to do in high school, and that is, you're right, scary as hell. Uh, <laughs> this is like no, no lights in any direction, but you can see the stars really well, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so our, yeah, it was great. So our next speaker, and on our last for this half, our, our fourth one, is someone that I have had very, very little contact with. And I've got almost no build-up for this at all, besides the fact that we became Facebook friends uh, first time a few weeks ago. Uh, Crystal, uh, her brother and I went to high school at the same time, but she's a little bit older than I am there. What I can tell you is that Crystal's grandfather sharpens my saw blades. He has a, uh, a little shop in Percy, and I, I think he's over the age of 80, but boy howdy, he'll still sharpen anything if you drop it off in the little box and put your name on it there. I need to go pick those up. So I'm going to bring to the stage Crystal King. actually really nervous and I'm going to sing a little song and I didn't get to practice and I can't hear. I get tinnitus a lot. So my story is really connected to music a lot because I feel like music's changed my life in every way. And But I, I had a hard time with the South story too, but I wanted to talk about like the comforts that we feel here to us, like seeing the Amish parades on Sunday morning, like who gets used to that, you know, and I mean, it is a little, it does suck getting behind them, but I mean, th those are things that like, like we see this in, um, so this story that I'm going to tell you, like I've never told people, especially not here because they will think I'm totally crazy, but um, so I'm kind of a hippie and I travel to see music and I've drove like 14 hours to see a Grateful Dead cover band and. Like, you know, and I drove to Ohio and didn't shower for seven days to see Dark Star. So, like, I've seen some crazy stuff, I feel like, in my life, right? And so being here is comforting, and whenever this is a culture shock moment for me, and I've seen crazy stuff. So uh, my friend decides, hey, I want to go to this fish show. And, yeah. like, I want to go see fish in Colorado, right? So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm down. Let's go see fish, you know? And so we get the tickets and book everything. And, like, they send me an email. And it's at this Dick's Sporting Goods, which is, like, the largest soccer field in the world, right? And there's going to be 60,000 fish fans. 
So I'm pretty pumped about it. And I get this email with a list of things that you cannot take into fish. And like number one, nitrous oxide tank. And I was like, <laughs> like really? Like this is their biggest worry. Like not gun or knife, but nitrous oxide tank. I cannot take into the fish show. And I just like, I mean, I thought it was funny at the time and I was like, whatever. And so, you know, we get to Colorado and we hike and in the nature and that was great. So this is the very first time that I'd been on a fish shakedown street. And I don't know if people here follow the dead, but so shakedown street is a grateful dead song. And like all of these hippies will gather on a street and it's mostly vendors and people don't have like food license from the health department to serve you food and they're selling beer and water but they just gather and these are all people that follow this band i mean like they travel and follow fish they'll go to 10 fish shows in a row so we get there and we're all pumped like we're gonna see shakedown and i'm not telling i'm not kidding like have you ever seen in the movies where you just like like people are bumping into things that they're shocked by you're just like what i can't believe i just saw that so we walk onto the street and like the first thing I see is this guy with this huge tank strapped to his back, you know? And I'm just like, I'm used to seeing the Amish driving to church on Sunday. And I see this man with a nitrous oxide tank and I'm just like, you know, $5 balloons, anyone, you know? And, it, and we're, no kidding, all of this stuff, I never, like phones are a thing now. This is only like three years ago. I never took a picture. This is how like culture shocked I am that I can't even get my phone out and be like, somebody has a big nitrous tank strapped to themselves, you know? And so we keep walking and it's very, you know, my friend's like, wow, look how tan those girls are. I'm like, they are not tan. Like that is not a tan. It's, I'm pretty certain that it's dirt. And so like, I mean, this is, so, so we meet other people, like there's this huge man with a flag, but only like a small section that needed to be covered was covered. Like he has this cape and he's huge. And I'm trying to like, go, go take your picture with him. You know, like let's do it. And of course, no, but, and then people are like, three, three joints for $5, you know, here's a beer. And the cops are like, like everywhere. I mean like Rice Krispie laced with LSD and cotton candy and I mean like if the police did their job they would have like Greyhound buses to take all these people to jail and I'm just thinking can I, I can't even imagine this if I were at home. Can you imagine going to Shiloh to the tavern <laughs> where my parents live and there's a man with a tank strapped on his back? I mean this is like I feel like I've seen some crazy stuff, but this was crazy. So we get to the concert, like 60,000 Fish fans were pumped, right? And I'm a huge Dead fan, so like, I can't explain how Dead hippies are different from Fish hippies, but it's a large difference. I mean, <laughs> like, it really is. Like, Dead hippies, we're just kind of more chill, and it's a lot of age difference and the fish hippies are just they are out there man it's crazy so we get we're like in line and people are there's like 14 year old girls water hydrator die you know and i'm thinking 
Like, hydrate or die, what does she mean? Like, I don't understand. And you see people carrying gallons of water, you know? So you're in the, we're in the line to like go in and people are shoving things they probably shouldn't be taking in into places. And so I'm thinking, wow, man, like, are they going to search me and what's happening? So we get up to the guy and I don't think he cared what, like I saw people with bongs like walking in. He's just like, do you have a gun? No. Do you have a knife? Okay, go ahead. Like you just see all these people with things that you can't imagine owning in Campbell Hill because we drove our combine to school. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is crazy. So we're in the concert and like people are smoking joints like cigarettes. I'm not even kidding. This is not a joke. And like 60,000 fish fans and you can tell that they've all seen fish like a hundred times, right? Because there are parts that they have these glow sticks and it's amazing. And I swear to God, I sat at the show the whole time, like just, I, I couldn't, it was like taking it all in. Like I couldn't imagine. Nobody sat down. It was four hours of music. I got offered like LSD 50 times and I'm like, no, like I want to remember. I don't like, I'm in a different state. You know, this is weird. Like this doesn't happen where I come from, you know? And so nobody's sitting down for four hours ever, and nobody bought a beer. Like, imagine at our street dances, like everybody's like double fisting at Campbell Hill Picnic, the line is long. Like, this is 60,000 people, and the beer people are dancing. The people selling the beer are like, yeah, we're not selling any beer because everybody's drinking water because they did other things that they don't need to drink beer. <laughs> but it, like, the vibe of the music was so cool and you could tell they'd been there because they knew parts of the song where they took the glow sticks and just and it would be like millions at one moment like that they knew so it's just amazing to join a culture because I'm not a fish hippie okay I'm more of a dead hippie that's what like I would consider myself so coming from like a deadhead community to this fish thing and then coming back here to Southern Illinois and seeing the Amish people drive. Like, this is why I've never told people that, you know, you, I can't go tell my grandma, hey, yeah, I went to this fish show and, you know, nobody drank a beer. Well, why not? You know, it's just, I, I think we forget how naive we are and how sheltered Southern Illinois is to how crazy other cultures in the outside world is. But like, it was a life-changing experience for me, but I'm not saying I would, I mean, I like fish, but. <laughs> I'm probably not gonna like, go on the road following them or anything. Maybe the dead, never fish. So, that's my story. And uh, I, I, I really feel you should all get out more if you don't leave Southern Illinois. So thank you for listening. And my song is called Take Me Down South. So do you, do you feel like, um, I feel like gospel and like soulful songs came from the South and you know, I'm a, I like soul a lot. I'm not gonna be as good as those guys. When this train rolls down 
coming back Got a one-way ticket, I'm going home I'm out of tune Back where I started from Take me down south Will you take me home, Lord? Yeah, will you take me home, love? Will you take me home? This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>